hope everybody will be ready to start the service momentarily. If you guys would like to rise up and sing our first song with us, we're going to sing Standing on the Solid Rock. Okay, there's, a, there's an explanation here. On our sheet, there was a misspelling by, uh, by Joe Martinez when he wrote the sheet that says, I'm standing on the solid brick. Don't, don't stand on Rick. Don't put your faith in Rick. He may not be able to hold you up all day. The solid rock can. Let's sing. Yeah. Rick is Rick. You guys got jokes this morning. Here we go. Through my disappointments, strife and discontentment, I cast my every care on the Lord. No matter what obsession, pain or deep depression, I'm standing on the solid rock. I'm standing on the rock of ages, saved from all the storms that rages, rich and low on the from Satan's wages, I'm standing on the solid rock. Even though he's gone now, I don't feel alone now, with comfort in the Spirit of the Lord. this morning say hallelujah hallelujah let's go to lord in prayer father god i thank you that not only can we stand on that rock but you make that rock available for every individual who chooses to come to you so father i pray this morning if there's someone here today for whatever reason has not bowed a knee has not surrendered their life onto you and to step out onto that rock may this be the day may they hear your words in such a fashion that they'll choose life before it's too late as it was jokingly pointed out, we can stand on other people. We can try to put our faith in other people, but eventually they will fail. Only you is Alpha Omega eternal. God, may your will be done in this service today. May we base our lives, our hearts, our worship, everything we are in you, on you, and through you. And may you in heaven be able to, to look down upon us and rejoice and point out that those are your children down there in Sutherland Springs. As you Fill our cups, Lord God, heap down, press down, overflowing. May we leave out. this When we leave here today, may everyone we come into contact with see your Shekinah glory on our face. May your will be done, Father. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's good seeing everybody this morning. It's a, a beautiful day outside today. That God's already been working. There's been some great things. It's already worked on, the, on church property today. 
God's working in others' lives. There's so many things that God is doing that we tend to, to just breeze right by. We need to stop, look at it, and say, thank you, Jesus. Amen? So walk around this morning, give somebody a hug, welcome to the church this morning, and just tell them, thank you, Jesus, for being here today. Amen? Hallelujah. <laughs> How are you, young man? Doing all right? Good to see you this morning. Well, I could sing unending songs of how you saved my soul. Save my soul. I could dance a thousand miles because of your great love. My heart's bursting, Lord. Tell of all you've done, of how you changed my life and walked away the past. I want to shout it out. Woo-hoo! Remember rooftop sing. Well, now I know that God is for me, not against me. God could sing unending songs of how you saved my soul. Save my soul. I could dance a thousand miles because of your great love. Bursting, Lord, to tell of all you've done, of how you changed my life and walked away the past. I want to shout it out Woo-hoo! from every rooftop sing. Oh, now I know that God is for me, not against me. I could sing unending songs of how you saved my soul. Save my soul. I could dance a thousand miles because of your great love. Everybody's singing now. We're so happy. Everybody's dancing now. We're so happy. If only we could see your face, see you smiling over us. I don't see angels celebrate. Hallelujah. Okay, guys, just a couple of announcements this morning. We've got so much behind us now, the holidays, the the cold, and all that other stuff. Um, moving into the new year, and 
Not a whole lot coming up right away. I hope, if you did not notice as you came in, the roofers came and they really were able to uh, just go, go, go. And, and our roof, is all, the old one's gone and the new one's up that fast. They did it in just like three days. I was up here yesterday watching a little guy uh, balance on top of the bell tower like a little top, nailing down shingles. So all the roof is up, and our sign is go- is on, and God is just steadily blessing us, getting us ready for this new year. Amen? So praise the Lord for that. Praise God for the, the, the new roof. We're going to be doing a few other things, just throwing this out there right now. We don't have the date as of yet set, but we need to now pressure wash and, and think about painting the poor uh, old church. She's, we were noticing the end down there is not that white anymore. It's uh, tan. Um, but we, we were going, the next step, now that we got the roof on, we're going to be painting all the trim. Uh, we haven't quite decided on the color yet, but we went with the tan to match the tan of the fellowship hall. And we're going to be changing the trim up a little and re-whitening things some. So there's some work coming up. Uh, when we get those dates out there, I hope you can come. And, and you may say you're not a painter. Neither is the rest of us. But you dip a brush or a roller and we'll get her done one way or the other. Uh, so I just, I just pray that you can come and be a part of that when we do actually schedule that event the only announcements i want to again praise the lord for our roof the um the only announcements i see that's really coming up i guess is the the associational singing is coming up the fifth sunday of this month and it'll be at first baptist stockdale that sunday evening so that sunday evening um that's next sunday yeah next sunday correct okay i'm sorry my my mind's flipping here i I had someone who scheduled their wedding on a Sunday evening that I have to cancel church, but it was because that's the day of their mother, Trisha Seelig. Everybody knows, most of y'all know Trisha. She planned her wedding on the day her mom passed away. Therefore, that, that uh, excuse me, mom's birthday, sorry. Mom's birthday. Sorry, I thought it didn't sound right, but anyway. Anyway, I have dates floating around in my head that I have to cancel a Sunday evening service. That's two of them, so trust the calendar? Okay. Then the next, that's right. The next two Sunday evenings, then, we will not be having services because next Sunday evening will be the associational singing in Stockdale, and then the next Sunday I will be performing a wedding for Tricia Seelig in New Braunfels. So the next two Sunday evenings, right there on your calendars, that we, we will not be having our Sunday evening class. Now, that being said, as I announced last week, there have been those who wanted me to teach the class of Revelation again. And it's been quite a few years, and it's a year and a half long is what it took us the last time to get through it properly. We are going to go ahead and do that. We're starting that on Sunday evenings. I do not have the date as of yet when we're going to start that. As I get closer, we're going to finish. We're in 1 John right now. We're going to finish the book of 1 John. And when we get close to the end, to the last chapter, then I will announce the date as to when we're going to start Revelation. So if you're looking to uh, get things in order so you can come to those classes, it'll be 6 o'clock on Sunday evenings, probably around the end of February, 1st of March, that we'll be kicking that off. All right, I think that's enough announcements. Brother Brian has our scripture reading this morning. Amen, brother. I'll preach if the Lord tells you. Father God, I just come before you and lift up my brother to you right now, and I thank you for his willingness and his, his, his desire to come and open your word to share with us. May we not hear Brian, but hear you through him, Lord God. And may we 
be able to just sit back and enjoy your presence through him. And God bless him and his family for his, his willingness and obedience to do your will, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Amen. I'm going to be reading out of King James today to make Stormy happy. <laughs> this is a verse that we all know, and, uh, and we, we know it out of the King James. So I'm going to read it. I heard a comedian yesterday on the radio. I was working and had the radio on in my shop, and I heard this comedian. He told a funny joke, and it was about waiting. And I just, I thought, uh, I thought oh, and this scripture hit me. Very often when I pick these scriptures for the scripture reading, I get up on Sunday morning and turn on my computer. I've got a verse of the day that comes on my computer every day. And um, that'll be the verse that I do that Sunday pretty often. Not always. But I was going to go from that routine today. Guess what? The verse that, that I thought of when that comedian told the joke was the verse of the day today. So I, I think that was confirmation, don't you? Anyways, this guy had moved to a small town. And, um, you know, the, 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 the smaller the town, the more crowded the barbershop and the more gossip that goes on in the barbershop. And that's where you find the news out, right? So this guy had gone to the barbershop, and he, was, uh, he went back every month, you know, same barbershop, and he'd catch up on the news because he was a newbie in town. And, of course, when he left, that's when everyone talked about him, right? So, so uh um, he noticed that this barber's dog sat by him and watched him the whole time while he was cutting hair every time. And uh, after about the fifth or sixth time in there, he told the barber, he said, uh, he said, that dog sure likes watching you cut hair. Barber said, <laughs> no, he knows. He's just waiting patiently. He knows it. Every once in a while, I nip off a little piece of ear. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> he gets a treat. <laughs> uh, the scripture that I thought of was <laughs> from that joke. It was on waiting. It was uh, I, Isaiah 40, and it's going to start, I'm going to start in verse 29. Um, these people had been waiting a lot longer than that dog. It was written into the people that were in the Babylonian captivity, basically. They were tired of waiting. We are all impatient aren't we we want it now that was that show Willy Wonka that girl said yeah. I want it now <laughs> but I want it now that's us we want we want stuff now but those who wait upon the Lord let's let me read it he giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might he increaseth strength even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up uh, with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Um, let's go through that a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Um, it's talking about waiting, right? This is speaking spiritually, right? Because we're not going to grow wings. It would be cool. <laughs> it would be really cool if we would. But we're not going to really grow wings. We will get lift. Um, that's what wings are for is lift. You know, I used to fly ultralights. And uh, you'd see, uh, you'd see uh, about my second or third lesson, um, there was a bunch of buzzards 
I'm sure there were some eagles in there, the Mexican eagles. I'm sure there were some eagles in there, but they were circling. And the instructor said, hey, what do you think we do when we see that? And I, I said, we stay away from it. That's turbulent. He said, no, that's free lift. <laughs> Go right to it. And he flew right into it. You know, it's funny, the buzzards, when you get closer to it, they think, now that is one crazy human in that thing. And they get out of your way, <laughs> But hopefully. But... um This is speaking spiritually. Youths will faint and be weary, and young men will utterly fall. You know, how do you become not a youth anymore? You wait. (laughs) He's he's speaking about uh, um, people young in the faith will grow weary and fall. But if you wait upon the Lord, he builds your strength. He gives you, he, he will give you lift, the lift that you need to overcome whatever obstacle you have or whatever your need is or whatever you're waiting on. He will give you the lift to get over it. Um, so just, uh, I'll stop there or I'll go to preaching. Just know the source of lift. And he will give you the strength and the lift you need to get over whatever you're up against. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, Father, I I just, I thank you and praise you for letting us come to your house today. Most of all, I praise you for letting us open your word. And for the Holy Spirit that you pour out on us, God. And I just pray that you fill us all with that spirit today. And that uh, we will have the strength to not be weary, Lord and that we will look to you for that strength, God. Uh, be with Brother Frank as he brings the message, Lord. I pray that, uh, that everything said or sung today will glorify you, whether it's a conversation or whether it's the preaching, God, or whether it's in the music. Uh, I just pray that it all would bless you, Father, and thank you again for sending us Jesus, Lord, and I pray that you... You cleanse us and forgive us of our shortcomings. God, I pray these things in the holy, precious, sweet, sweet name of Jesus. Amen. You guys ready to sing this morning? (laughs) Rise up if you'd like to or take a comfortable worship position. I guess I didn't really intend this when we picked out the songs, but I'm looking at them now, and they're all about God is powerful. Did you plan that? Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's sing all the power you need this morning. My God can never fail. It's been proved time and again. Trust Him and see He's got all the power you need. He's never early, He's never late. It takes courage, it takes faith. Trust Him and see He's got all the power you need. He saves, forgives, and heals. Takes back what the devil steals. My debt's been paid in full. 
Every day does miracles. Got dreams turning into plans. Too big for human hands. Trust him and see he's got all the power you need. He's real, he's real. He's a lot stronger than what you fear. He's real, he's real. I'm believing for a miracle. My God can never fail. He's been through time and again. Trust Him and see He's got all the power you need. It's never early, it's never late. It takes courage, it takes faith. Trust Him and see He's got all the power you need. He sings for His enemies, takes back what the devil steals. My debt's been paid in full. Every day does miracles. Got dreams turning into plans. Too big for human hands. Trust him and see he's got all the power you need. He's real. He's real. He's a lot stronger than what you feel. He's real. He's real. I'm believing for a miracle. My God can never fail. It's been proved time and again. Trust Him and see He's got all the power you need. Trust Him and see He's got all the power you need. This next one comes from way back in the songbook. We hope you like it. Great is the Lord, He is holy and just. By His power we trust in His love. Great is the Lord, He is faithful and true, by His mercy He proves He is love. Great is the Lord, and worthy of glory, great is the Lord, and worthy of praise. Great is the Lord, now lift up your voice, now lift up your voice, By your power we trust in your love. Lord, you are great, you are faithful and true. By your mercy you prove you are love. Great are you, Lord, and worthy of glory. Great are you, Lord, and worthy of praise. Great are 
Give God the glory this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, guys. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20. And this is a little bit of a a different thing this morning. In fact, I even called Brian yesterday as I was praying about it to pray I was doing the right thing because I'm doing a couple things different. Rarely have you seen me preach on somewhat of the same topic close together. It has happened, because I, I, I am not one that sets out my sermons ahead of time. I, I pray each week, Lord, what would you have me to say? And that's what I did again as of this week. However, it kind of is reiterating some things, but still it's something that I feel as though the Lord was telling me to do. Now, let me precursor this this morning. To say that I myself have had to deal in the past with addictions. We're going to have a video, brothers, while we were about to turn that off. But I'll turn it off when I get down. That's okay. Um, I've had to deal with addictions in my life before, and I have had to interact with people who are dealing with addictions. And I have had to, as, since becoming a pastor, I've had to work with folks quite frequently who had addictions of one sort or another. And there's something that I am very sure of, folks, something that I want to make sure we understand as we go into this message this morning. The message is not about addictions per se, but a specific addiction. But there's something that I'm very sure of. In all this time, of when I was dealing with the addictions, when I deal with people who has addictions, and I talk to people who have addictions, there's a couple of things that's very clear to me. One is, you cannot love somebody out of their addiction. You cannot love someone out of their addiction. Also, you can't give enough for someone to kick an addiction. Now, what do I mean by that? Am I saying that we shouldn't love them? Absolutely not. What I'm saying is, until that person who is in the midst of the addiction chooses, chooses to truly quit and turn from whatever that addiction is, no matter what someone else does, cannot stop it. There is no way that we can make somebody. You might lock them in a room and keep them away from it, but what happens as soon as they get out? That individual must make a choice. We, you and I, we must choose 
to kick an addiction. Whatever it is in our life, we must choose to do that. Whether it's physical, whether it's relational, whether it's mental, nothing is going to work until we specifically ourselves make the choice and choose to break out of this. There was a, a, a woman I knew one time, she, was, uh, she had smoked most of her life, but she always said, I want to quit smoking. And she would say she was going to quit smoking. And she might quit for a week or two, maybe even a couple of months. She tried the patches. She tried the hypnotism. She did all these different things. And, and there was a point there she went several months, but she always went back to smoking. However, one day she goes to the doctor, and the doctor says, if you continue to smoke, I guarantee you will be dead in just a few months. You know what happened? She quit smoking. Why? Because all of a sudden the reason was big enough to truly get her to want to stop rather than just giving lip service to wanting to stop. She finally had an impetus to make a real decision to stop. Now, she might have wanted to stop all that time, but it just wasn't that important to her. It wasn't a priority to actually stop. But when this doctor says, you will lose your life if you do not, she stopped. I know that I did this to you a couple of weeks ago, and and some of y'all thought it was kind of crazy that I had you listen to one of the songs I like to listen to when I'm working out and such. I'm going to do it to you again this morning. The words will be on the screen if you can't understand it. It's a secular song. However, the meaning is true. And I want you to listen to this song this morning because we're going to look at a specific addiction. But I want, I want to grab kind of the course of this song. So as they're calling it up this morning, listen to the words of this song. This song in the I never meant to do those things to you And so I have to say before I go
group's name that you saw there was Hubastank, but don't, don't judge them by the name. <laughs> but the thing I wanted us to see here, guys, one could easily insert Jesus' name in there for you. However, I would rather us this morning run with the way the group intended it. I want us to look at something. As I said, I, I, I preached a couple of weeks ago kind of around this topic as well. I have heard people often ask, when, when, when they come to me for counseling, or when they come to me to talk about this or that or the other, and sometimes I just overhear it in general, I've heard people often ask, why should I change who, who, who I am? Why should I be the first one to apologize in a relationship? Why should I be the one to extend the olive branch? Why should I be the first one to step out? Folks, let me tell you this morning, when we're talking about a marriage, when we're talking about relationships in general, whether it's with our kids, whether it's with our coworkers, whether it's with our friends, but specifically, I want us to think about our marriages again this morning. And I know we spoke about this a couple weeks ago, but again, this is what the Lord laid on my heart. When we ask that question, why should I be the first one to apologize? Why should I be the one to extend that olive branch? Let me say this morning that that is an addiction causing people to say those kinds of things. It is an addiction that can only be rooted out and, and, and defeated when we acknowledge it and then have reason enough to choose to change. That addiction is pride. We are addicted to our pride. And just as in any other addiction, we have to have a reason to choose to step above and beyond it. We have to, for our relationship's health, we need to choose to break that addiction. It is pride that makes people think of themselves more than their spouse. And that's what you're doing. Well, why should I have to be the first to apologize? Why should I extend the olive branch? Why is I in the vernacular at all if you're doing what Christ would have you to do? When it's all about I, you're thinking of yourself rather than someone else, and pride is what's coming to the forefront. And I'm afraid we are so addicted to that pride that we don't even realize it. We just do it. We just get in an argument or we get into a little tiff or a little tussle and immediately we'll say, well, it's their fault, this fault. We'll we'll rationalize all kinds of things. But in reality, if we will stop and think about it right now, it is pride that keeps us from going over and saying, I'm sorry. I guarantee, I shouldn't say, I am going to say I guarantee. 
if there was a tussle, you did something wrong as well. Maybe you just raised your voice. Maybe it was this, that, or the other. But there's something in there that you need to go and say, you know what, I shouldn't have. Something that you can go and start that communication with. But pride gets in the way. That addiction to pride will keep us from that. Christ said that you'll know my, you'll know one another, you'll know my people by the love that they have for one another. And we saw a few weeks ago when we were looking at Ephesians, Christ said a man should love his wife as Christ loves the church and is willing to die for her. And a wife is to, to submit herself onto that, that godly husband. This is what makes a godly relationship. This is what makes a godly example of, of what the church is supposed to be like. This is a, a, an emulation of, of the church itself. Nowhere in that scenario, nowhere in all those things that Christ said, did we see God saying, but allow pride to come in and show a little bit of ugliness. Nowhere in that scenario does, does God say that they have to speak first back into this situation. He says, you'll know my people by the love they have for one another. We are to use God as an example. Nowhere in the scriptures do I see Christ acting out of pride. Nowhere do I see him putting his pride and his ego first. No. That is an addiction that we have grabbed and put our heads around. So why should we change who we used to be? Why should I change the the actions of a prideful person, because I choose to do what Christ says. Christ says, I can start over new, and he will bless me and guide me. He says that once I put myself fully into his capable hands and been washed by the Spirit of God, he says, I have become a new creation. He has given us the power as, as men and women to become what he has intended us to be. But when I choose to continually to revert back to my prideful self, then I'm choosing to turn my back on Christ. I'm saying that the reason isn't big enough. Oh God, you don't understand this relationship am I in. Folks, I would ask you this morning, how much do you love your spouse? Husbands, how much do you love your wives? Wives, how much do you love your husbands? If you're single out here this morning, how much do you plan on loving your spouse? Or how much do you hope that your spouse loves you. Because you might find the reasons big enough to change from that pridefulness. Now the passage of Scripture, as I said earlier, is a little unique for this, I think, but it's what God gave me to preach this morning. So in Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 7, I want us to look at Paul. This isn't a marriage relationship, but yet it's a relationship of importance between Paul and the elders of the Ephesus church. I want us to look at something here. It says, On the first day of the week, We assembled to break bread. Paul spoke to them, and since he was about to depart the next day, he extended his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the room upstairs where we were assembled, and a young man named Eutychus was sitting on a windowsill and sank into a deep sleep as Paul kept on speaking. When he was overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was picked up for dead. But Paul went down, threw himself on him, embraced him, and said, Don't be alarmed, for he still has life in him. After going back upstairs, breaking the bread and eating, he conversed a considerable more amount of time until dawn. Then he left. If you turn over just to, uh, or go to past verse 35, in every way I've shown you. Now in between here, he has gone, he's, he's, he's preaching the message elsewhere, now he's headed back to Rome and he's back in Ephesus. 
In every way I've shown you that by laboring like this, it is necessary to help the weak and to keep in mind the words of the Lord Jesus, where he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to think about others than to think about yourself. After he said this, he knelt down and prayed with all of them. There was a great deal of weeping by everyone, and embracing Paul, they kissed him, grieving most of all over his statement that they would never see his face again. First, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, Paul is telling Timothy, God is telling us through Paul, he says that the goal of our instruction should be from a be out of love with a pure conscience, a pure heart, and out of good conscience for sincere faith. We are to love one another. We Everything we do should be out of faith in Christ, out of a good conscience and, and, and true instruction to share what God would have us to be, whatever the relationship may be. We are to extend that olive branch because you'll know my people for the love they have for one another. It is more blessed to give than to receive. If we care about our relationships and our marriages, then we should be the first to step out. C.S. Lewis wrote this. I want to share this with you. This is out of Mere Christianity. If you've never read the book Mere Christianity, I would suggest everyone read it at some point in your life. But this is just a little spot. He says, do not waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you do. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love them. If you injure someone you dislike, you will find yourself disliking them more. If you do him a good turn, you will find yourself disliking him less. Not only in our relationships have we been called to swallow our our pride, get rid of that addiction, not only are we to humble ourselves before Christ and ask God what are we to say and do, but it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when we go and do good acts, when we treat that person with respect and love regardless, it is a whole lot easier to continue to grow a love and respect and join that relationship together. But if I start doing hateful, ugly, and dislikable things, guess what grows in that relationship? Hateful, ugly, and dislikable things is what's going to grow. Have you ever wondered why in, in, in big corporations, salary is not what brings out the best in a person? Sure, they may, you may get the brightest minds, but you don't get that love and that trust. You don't get that, that relation with that company. The companies that can go out there and that the people know that they are cared about, they are loved and, and, and cared about, they are, they are motivated to give their best. The management here, they care about me. They want to help my family. They want to reach into my family. A lot of folks, it's not even about the money. They will rather work somewhere where the money is less just to know that they are cared about. All the money in the world cannot satisfy like faith and love. Folks, I've had so many people say, well, I can act any way I want to at home because I bring the money home. I make sure there's money in the bank. I make sure there's food on the table. Folks, there's, let me tell you, a loving relationship is not built on money and food on the table. A true loving relationship is built through communication one with another and truly looking and letting each other know that they are loved, that they are cared for. In this passage of Scripture right here, Paul is talking to these, these Ephesus elders and they trusted Paul so much they didn't even want him to ever stop preaching and teaching. It not only was past lunchtime, it's midnight and people are falling asleep and falling out the windows. 
but they listened to him. They loved him. And they, they respected what he had to say so much. They said, just keep on going. Paul's great love and, and, and trust for those Ephesus elders engendered a, a reciprocal care. They, they, they wanted to trust him. They wanted to put confidence in him. He felt their trust. He felt their confidence. And in turn, he gave them back everything he could. Folks, we should not expect our spouses to love and respect our ideas, love and respect what we want to do unless they know that you love and respect them in return. Unless they know that they are cared for. Now, I've had to get there, and and Sherry's talked to me many a times. I've read the books. I've prayed. But bottom line is, I had to come to a point where I looked to Christ and said, God, what would you have me to do? People do not care as much about what we know as much as they know that we care. Does that make sense? They don't, our spouses would rather, uh, rather than just putting food and money on the table, rather than just, just uh, uh, doing things, would rather hear, I love you. You know, the, I know you've heard the old joke where the two older people are sitting on the porch and they're rocking and, and, and the, the, the woman looks over and says, how come you never say that you love me? So I told you when we got married, I figured that was good enough. It doesn't work that way, guys. We need to say it. We need to show it. We need to to put that out there. But unfortunately, I think our pride has kept us locked up. We've gotten so addicted to our pride that we're scared we may get hurt. What if I say I love you and she doesn't say it back? That hurts my ego. What if I say I'm sorry, but she doesn't reciprocate? When in reality, I thought it was mostly her fault. Now I'm going to get angry because I said I'm sorry and she didn't. Folks, let me tell you this morning, that is pride keeping you from making the decision that you are to do. She or he is responsible for their decisions, but we are responsible for our own. And I either am going to choose pride because I'm afraid of letting my heart and my ego get hurt, or I'm going to put my heart and my ego in the hands of Christ and do what I know to be right. And in so doing, that's what strengthens a relationship. Again, I want to share with you something else C.S. Lewis. He says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all the entanglements. Lock it up safe in a casket or coffin of your selfishness and your pride. But in that casket... Safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. Folks, let me tell you this morning. It is a fear of losing control or being hurt that gets us addicted to pride. We, don't, we want to be in control of the situation. Or we don't want our heart to be hurt. So out of pride, we will say things we didn't want to say. Or we just won't go and extend an olive branch at all. Why should I say I'm sorry? That means I'm losing control of this situation. That means that, that I am extending an olive branch when really I think she should. Folks, let me tell you, that kind of pride slowly locks our heart up in that coffin that C.S. Lewis is talking about. It slowly wraps around until we lose not only the love in that relationship, 
but the love in our hearts. We become so irredeemable. We become so hardened of heart that the love of Christ doesn't shine forth from us anymore. When we become so caught up in our pride thinking that everyone else should apologize, that I should be in control of everything, that I am the one that's going to stand tall and be on top of this mountain. Folks, let me tell you something. It is Christ who is going to be the last one standing. Therefore, if I know it is Christ who is the last one standing, regardless of how strong or mighty I may think I am, why wouldn't I want to put myself into his hands? If I put myself into his hands at that point, he says, love your wives as Christ loved the church, willing to die for her. It is better to give than to receive. It is, it is, it is paramount to understand that the relationship that Christ has with us is what we are to emulate back in our marriages. And we are to go forth and show grace and mercy, not pride. Pride needs to go on the back burner. Love and trust bring the best out in a person, folks. In, in, in that one that you're loving, and, that, and you as well. When we try to love and trust one another, it demands part of our mind. It, 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 it takes our will. It takes our emotions. It makes us stop and make the choice. I choose. It is pride who makes us to stand our ground and, and, and not say, I'm sorry. It is pride that, that, that slowly locks our heart up in a, into a jail cell. But when I put my faith in God and say, I want to show the mercy, love, and grace that you have shown me, then it's just like Homer, uh, uh, Hosea to Gomer in the book of Hosea, regardless of what she did. And she, at one point she says, but I'm so not worthy of this kind of love. What did he say? I'm not worthy of the love of my God either. But because he loves me, I choose this day to love you. Regardless of what the other individual in your relationship may be saying or doing, do you recognize the love of Christ enough in your life to be able to reciprocate it to those you love around you? Are they a big enough reason to tear down the pride and let the love of God come through? Because when you do that, marriages are, are saved. Marriages are made whole again. Or are you so prideful you won't recognize how much God's looking down on you? It's easy to just spout out information like a tape recorder. It's hard when we want to say things with love and confidence. We have to stop and we have to think. We have to think, rather than ordering someone, you need to do this, that, or the other. You should do this, that, or the other. When we stop and realize I need to speak with love and compassion, let her know, let him know that I care, that I respect them, that that they are a human being that I choose to change who I used to be, it makes us stop and change our perspective. We may not even want to say the things we were going to say before, but even if we do, we will we will down kind of culture them a little bit. We'll temper them with 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 grace and love and and try to make this marriage what I want it to be rather than with pride. When I say those things with pride, that other person's going to be hurt. Their opinion doesn't matter anymore. They feel second rate in that relationship. It should be like the song, I found a reason to change, and the reason is you. I changed Christ because of you, and I changed for my spouse because I love you and I want Christ to shine through me to you. Few people seem to be willing to spend as much time praying for greater love and confidence in their spouse as they are praying for their own opinions to be heard. So many times I have to talk to people where it's 
their way. Well, if she will do this, 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 and this, or if he will do this, 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 and this. No. Why don't you change you, let them change them, and both of y'all take it to the Lord, and God will heal this marriage. You cannot make them do anything they haven't chosen to do, nor vice versa. We are responsible, guys. Each one of us in this room is responsible to our relationship with Christ individually. I am responsible for my choices, my actions. If I want to stay addicted to pride, my spouses won't answer for that. Spouses, one. My spouse is not going to stand accountable for that. I am. When I stand before the Lord, I will be responsible for my decisions. When people know that they are loved and that they are cared for, they will respond in the same way. We need to ask the Lord, just, just, just like Paul was doing there. Paul was that example. He is speaking love and he is speaking truth into that relationship with those Ephesian elders. He was speaking into them and they were soaking that up. Those elders, they wanted Paul to keep on talking way past midnight. They knew they were cared for by Paul. They knew that Paul was sharing Christ. They knew that Paul was trying to give as much of Christ as he could through him to them. And they knew because Paul cared and was sharing truth, just keep talking. We want you here. We love you. We don't want you to leave. We don't want to take a chance on not seeing your face again. Paul felt obliged to give them the very best of his knowledge and wisdom and insight that he had because he knew they loved him and they were wanting to soak every bit of it up because they knew he loved them. And because of that mutual love there, they cared strongly for one another. How much more so in our marriages that God says that he has brought together, that, that God joins together. Paul was drawing on the love and the grace of God to share the scriptures with those Ephesian elders. Folks, I would tell you in your marriages today, we're living in a, in a, in a time in this 21st century where the, 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 mar- the divorce rate in the church is exceeding the divorce rate of the secular world now. Why is that when we should have the love of Christ emanating from each one of us back into that relationship? If each one, both husband and wife, are are truly trying to put forth the grace and mercy of God that's been bestowed upon them to their spouse and loving their spouse as Christ loves them, then that divorce rate would not be there. Yes, there are hard times. Yes, marriage is difficult. Yes, there are arguments. There is nobody that can say they're happy every day of their entire life and not be mentally sane anyway. There are bad days, but that's when commitment comes in. And I choose to just as my God committed to the very fact of dying on a cross for me, I choose to stay committed to you. And we should say that to our spouses. You are the reason I choose to stay committed. And I can draw upon the example of the commitment of my God to me because he is so committed to me. I know it's possible. I stay committed to you. And even though it may be a rocky and harsh and trialing, trying time, if we will stay committed one to another, responsible for our own actions of choosing to not stand up, to, I mean, not to stand on pride, but to stand on the grace of God, these marriages will change. When I choose to show the love and the grace of Christ, whether my spouse chooses to do so or not, let me say that again. It is not about what your spouse is doing. What your spouse does does not dictate your decision. 
What Sherry does to me or around me does not dictate to me how I am responsible for my choices. I have to be the man and make a stand, or that she has to be the woman and make that stand and choose to stand upon the rock, as we sang earlier. And I choose this day to stand upon Christ, to serve Christ. And when I choose Christ, because the reason is her, because I want this marriage to be what God's called it to be, because I love her, because I care for her, when I choose to, regardless of whatever any, the, my friends may say, oh, you're just a, uh, 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 um, I'm trying to think of a nice word from the pulpit. You're just, you're just beaten down by your wife. When my friends want to throw all those kinds of things out there, I'll, I can get prideful and say, yeah, you're right. Or I can say, you know, my wife is the reason to choose to show the love God's thrown me through her. I'd rather be committed to this relationship than to stand upon my pride, which I know will be my stumbling block one day. Folks, this morning, if the reason is important enough, if we will truly look to our spouses, we can choose, I mean, look to Christ for our spouses, we can choose to start over new. I can take my pride, no matter how great it may be. You may say, but you don't understand, Pastor, I've been like this my whole life. I was raised this way. I didn't ever have an example. My mom and dad, they yelled, screamed, fought. Uh, there was 15 divorces in my past. I don't, you know, all that, okay. It's all in the past. You know, as of this day, I can choose, if the reason is big enough, to kick the addiction of pride and become someone new. I can choose this day to reintegrate myself into this relationship. So many people hide their, 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 their talents and their gifts from a marriage because they are, are afraid. They don't feel loved and trusted, so they just keep their mouths quiet. And the whole time, the, 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 the relationship is getting worse and worse and worse. Or so many don't have enough trust and love in Christ to think that, that God can protect them from their own pride. So their relationship just keeps getting worse and worse and worse because they think this is just who they are. There are so many people more worried about what other people are going to say than they are what their, their, the broken heart of their spouse is, that they just continue to ruin their relationship. Folks, let me tell you this morning, Paul sat on that, that, that lectern talking to those Ephesus elders till one boy falls out of a window and they go and love him up and bring him back and he's okay. And they said, just keep on talking. Why was there that kind of strength? Why was there that kind of communication? Why was there that kind of relationship? Because they knew Paul cared about them, and Paul knew they cared about him, and because there was love, grace, mercy, and caring between the two, they wanted to continue. Folks, Christ needs to be our model. He needs to be our, our, our model to copy. Paul called upon the power of Christ to preach. We should do the same in our marriages. We want that commitment. We want to kick pride out of our marriages. We should go to Christ and say, God, what would you have me to do? If we will go to, to God and truly decide to emulate Christ, you will see that pride has no bearing in Christ's life. Pride is not going to show up in Christ's life. So if I'm going to emulate Christ, then he and she, or he and your spouse, then becomes a reason that is big enough to change who I used to be and become and start over new. Because the reason is you. Folks, 
I pray. Sherry hasn't always had a great life with me. But I always pray and I tell her every day I love her at least once. More than that usually. And like the song says, I know I've hurt her in the past. I got to live with that every day. The past is the past. And from this day forward, I can choose not to let my pride. And there are times where I, I'll go, she's going to say, she has to say she's sorry first. But you know what? Immediately, because I've trained myself to go to the Lord in prayer, you know what God says? Immediately. Why does she have to say that first? It's all about I. I have to swallow that pride and make a choice and choose how I'm going to act today. Every one of us can do the same. I'm not some superhuman up here, but I serve a super God. And through his strength, through his grace, through his mercy, through his example, I can go to him and realize just as can you imagine how hard it was for Hosea to come home to his wife and see kids that were not his? Several different mission trips come home. You never read the book of Hosea in the scriptures. You ought to. He even named some of his kids, no child of mine. He knew these were not his kids. But he also knew that as God has forgiven him, so can he forgive her and that marriage work. So many people today try to live their lives without any love and trust. We're just going to make this happen. Millions of people live their lives without ever communicating any kind of love or trust in that relationship. The question I would ask is, do you, does she, let's, let's take that away from you. Ask this about your spouse right now. Does she trust you? Does she know that she is truly loved? Does he know that he is truly respected? Does my spouse really know that I care? And I'm getting kind of transparent here, and I'm hoping Sherry doesn't get angry. But there's been many a time where she's had to say that to me in the past. I don't know if I'm loved. And that stabs me to the heart. But the only way she would know is if I told her, if I shown her. Men especially, but women as well. We put on this bravado. Oh, I told you once when we got married, I don't have to tell you again. That doesn't work. That's pride. And pride is an addiction. Folks, our relationships will mature and be where they're supposed to be when we decide, when we choose to make one another the reason to truly look up to Christ Truly look up and say, God, you are my ultimate teacher. Jesus Christ, you are the ultimate teacher. I want to be as you for her. And God's going to say, I never walked in pride. He who is last shall be first in the glories of heaven. And I can humble myself in Christ and still be the man of the house that God's called me to be. And you know what's going to happen? She's going to know she's loved, respected, and she's going to be the wife in that relationship she's supposed to be. And God's going to bless that marriage. Not because one was humble and one was feisty or vice versa, but because they, those two chose to put Christ first.
we need to follow Paul's example and build one another up. We need to build our spouses up. We need to let them know that we care, that they are important to us to the point that I will sit here all night and talk to you if that's what you want me to do. For as the church goes, I mean, as the marriages and families go, so goes the church. Let me share a marketing bit with you I read this week. Do you know why toy makers watch the divorce rate? In this marketing thing, it said, when, when divorce rises, so does toy sales. Because the analyzers point out when there's remarriages, now there's four parents, eight sets of grandparents, they tend to compete for the children's affections by buying more toys rather than being the mom and dad into that relationship for those kids. Unfortunately, we've gotten to a point that we've forgotten that it is love and trust that provides people with essential needs, not stuff. But yet that's what we're doing to our marriages as well. We think as long as we can just bring stuff, we'll win over that love and that affection. It just doesn't work that way, folks. It just doesn't. Love and trust, not pride. Love and trust, not pride. That's what's going to keep a family together. When we truly swallow that pride and step out and say, I choose. There's nothing that can substitute for love and trust. When I choose, you are the reason that I choose to look to Christ and kick the addiction of pride. That's when our marriages and our relationships will become strong. When we choose to emulate Christ and His actions rather than what Hollywood and the TV shows say. So, why should I maybe be the first one to apologize? Because I'm a wimp? Because I'm a sissy? Or is it because I choose to break my addiction to pride? If every Christian would give up that pride, put his ego on the back burner. When we quit making it all about me, I've made that decision. I may not be the greatest at it, and I may falter, but I have chosen that it's not about me, but that woman God gave me. And I say this in every premarital counseling I do. You, I'll tell the wife, you are to think about everything you can do for him. Can you get him a glass of tea? Can you rub his back? What can you do? You continually think about what you can do for him. And then I'll tell the husband, and I want you to do the same. I want you to think only, what can you do for her? Can you get her a glass of tea? Rub her back. What can you do for her? If you're continually thinking about him, you're continually thinking about her, at first it's conscious choice. But after a few days or months, you know what happens? It becomes a habit that you're thinking about her. It becomes a habit. You're thinking about him. And then when you're in the midst of that tussle and everything is getting ugly, you know what's going to happen out of habit? You're going to go get him a glass of tea. Or you're going to rub her back. Or you're going to do something because out of habit, you've already set the groundwork. It's not about me. You're the reason I choose. And if it's all about her or all about him, and it's not all about me, then Christ has got open grounds there. The question today, guys, are we going to continue to let pride destroy our marriages? Or are we going to make a stand? Only you.
Not your spouse. They can't love you into it. They can't buy you into it. Only you can decide for yourself if the reason is big enough to kick pride out. Only you can choose and make that decision as to how you're going to act today. Now, if you're here this morning and you are, are, are finished giving lip service to your relationship, you're finished trying to say you just want to change and you truly want to change who you are, you truly want to make this work, then what you need to do is quit fighting that pride and surrender it into the hands of Jesus Christ. Just give it all to Him right now. Let her be the reason that pushed you into truly accepting Christ and defeating the addiction of pride. Let Him be the reason to put your pride in the hands of Christ. If you truly want to change this day, you can't if the reason is big enough to you. I've heard so many times, well, you don't know how hard it is to quit drinking. You don't know how hard it is to quit smoking. You don't know how hard it is to swallow your pride and say, I'm sorry. You don't know, you know, I probably do know how hard it is, but even if I don't, my God does. And he said, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. If you truly want to change who you are today, it's not about if you can or can't. If you can't, is the reason big enough for you to finally make it happen? Because my God's big enough. But you have to choose to let Him win. Let Him work in your life. Where are you this morning? you're here this morning and you realize that you're that individual that's dealing with pride, today is the day you can change that. It's not about all that you used to be. I want to show a different side that you never even knew happened, existed. Today, because of Christ, I choose. Folks, where are you? If you really want to choose, God will help you that way today. You can put your pride behind you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're fighting a losing battle. Both with your marriage and with the world. The only pathway to victory is through Jesus Christ. You want your marriage to turn around and work? You want your relationships to turn around and work? You want your relationships with your kids to get better? You may have to not always say, because I'm the mama or because I'm the daddy. You may have to actually say, you know, let's talk about this. I'm sorry. Let's come to the table and let's discuss these situations a little bit. Let's get rid of pride that's destroying our homes and our marriages and ultimately the church and get back to the humility and the grace and the mercy of a loving God. Now understand this. If this is sounding like one of them nice powder puff love sermons, My God still is a righteous God. He's a judgmental God. And He will crack that whip if He needs to do so. Don't ever think that my God is just a pie-in-the-sky loving, just cloudy God. But He he is the God of grace and mercy as well. And He's called us to do the same. Not roll over and play dead, but not to walk on pride, but to show grace mercy, and godly wisdom. You don't know Christ this morning, that's what God offers you today. Wherever you're at, you can accept Jesus and accept Him into your heart right now and say, Father, I am a sinner in need of Your grace. And just open your life to Him. 
If you do know Him today, and you realize that you've been battling the addiction of pride, let me tell you, it may seem overwhelming and cannot be defeated, but my God defeated everything, including death, hell, and the grave. There is nothing that my God can't help you through. But you have to choose to let it happen. Myself, personally, just my little testimony thingy, just a little piece, I guess, I probably was one of the most arrogant, hard-headed, egotistical people that you would have ever met. I thought I was the biggest and the baddest that ever walked. And I had to choose to humble myself before God. And now people say, oh, I can't believe you ever was mean. Huh, cool. Folks, God can change even the ugliest and meanest in you if you let him do it. But you have to let him do so. It's your choice. The question is simple this morning. Do you want to continue to stand on your pride? Or are you ready to offer that olive leaf of mercy and grace? My God offers it to you today. Will you take it and then offer it to those whom you love the most as well? It's your decision. So I'll stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. This altar will be open. You can pray where you're at. You can pray at the altar. But if you don't know Christ, please get that right before you leave here today. If you want to pray for your marriage, I'll pray with you. You can pray where you're at. Maybe you might want to grab your husband or your wife and just give her a kiss and let her know, I love you. I care for you. Even if that's the first time in the last 28 years, now might be a good time to do so. Maybe you just told her five minutes ago, why not do it again? Why not let her know? Why not let him know that you respect him, you care for him? You know, even the simple things. I, at first it was a little silly, but then it was, we ran out of propane at the house this morning. I'm just changing out a propane bottle. And Sherry comes out and says, I love you. You can fix anything. And at first I thought, I'm changing a propane bottle. You know, I'd expect Annabelle to do this. Not really, but. But then I thought, wow, she did that not because she was really impressed with me changing the bottle, but because she loves me. Why not do that to those you love today? Amen? Father God, I lift up everyone here today and and I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that we will get our relationships with our kids, our friends, our co-workers, and especially our spouses, where they need to be. And I think we do that, Lord, by swallowing our pride and getting our relationship with you back to where it's supposed to be. Father, I pray your will to be done in the hearts of your people here today. And may we leave this place a people more focused on being what you've called us to be rather than focused on what others tell us we ought to. May we get rid of that addiction and stand on the holiness of a mighty God. May your Shekinah glory glow throughout us, emanate in us in such a point that when people see us, they'll see you in us. And God, again, if there's someone here today that does not know you, young or old, may this be the day you speak to them what they need to hear. May your will be done, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I understand this might not have been the typical pride type of sermon, what God laid on my heart, but that doesn't change if God's speaking to you. You hear Him speaking today, don't squelch it out.
Don't say, well, Frank was up there, blah, blah, blah. Listen to what Christ has to say. If he's telling you sing, sing. If he's telling you pray, pray. If he's telling you go across and grab your brother or sister and pray with them, do that. Come to this altar, pray. But let's do what God tells us to do this morning. It's not about an agenda. It's about Christ. Amen? Amen. As we sing, guys. Amen.